0: And they really are entitled to their entitlement.
1: Tonight, growing outrage over holiday vacations and the BC travel numbers that may shock you. Plus, I was diagnosed with a mass on my lung. The heartbreaking challenge for a married cross-border couple to be together
2: and... They're interacting with the public a lot. They're coming across various situations.
1: Just one reason a BC City is looking to buy a new tool to catch COVID scofflaws.
3: You're watching Global BC.
4: This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news tonight. Search and rescue crews have been called to an area south of Whistler after an avalanche came down late this afternoon. A level three avalanche, which can bury a car, destroy a small building or break trees, came down just after three o'clock on Cowboy Ridge. That's an area popular with backcountry skiers. Several people had to be rescued by helicopter. Others were able to ski out safely. RCMP say there have been no fatalities or injuries at this point, but they're asking anyone who was in the area to please contact them as they're trying to locate anyone unaccounted for. More outrage and disappointment over news one of BC's top health educators spent the winter break on vacation abroad. It's prompted some members of the UBC School of Population and Public Health to write an open letter. It's also, it also comes as a West Vancouver councillor issues an apology for his non-essential travel last month. Paul Johnson has more.
4: On the road again. Canadians can now add West Vancouver to the list of jurisdictions that have seen their elected officials flout the public health guidelines to go on a sunny foreign vacation. West Vancouver City Councillor Peter Lambert says his California dreamin' was inspired by the delight of visiting a new granddaughter for the first time. He declined to be interviewed about his trip, but in a statement said... I neglected to consider how my role, my activities, might be viewed by you.
0: Some joker from West Vancouver who's an elected official travels to another country.
4: Veteran public affairs expert Bill Thielman says the growing list of Canadian leaders who couldn't resist a southern getaway has the effect of kneecapping the public health professionals who are telling people to stay home.
0: It's the classic uh, do as I say, not as I do. And the more that we see politicians undermining the public health authorities, the more likely it is that other people will say this and say, see, it's, it's, you know, it's just a joke.
4: Thielman also points out that these travelers give oxygen to the COVID denialism movement. We say the pandemic is overblown and that politicians are lying about it. So, many Canadians are left wondering if a once in a century global pandemic isn't enough to make our elites and politicians walk the walk, then what is? I always say if you preach it, you gotta live it. There is a whole lot of people that uh, did miss seeing their families and, uh, and one did a lot of sacrifices for the good of society mm. and you would expect the same
0: from uh, you know people in a position of power.
4: Another story snowbird is UBC professor Peter Berman who teaches at the School of Population and Public Health the very people who help develop pandemic policy. After his trip to Hawaii he'll have to face 19 of his colleagues who've signed a letter criticizing him. As for West Van's Peter Lambert, he's apparently now back on board with Dr. Bonnie Henry, ending his statement with this touch, be kind, be calm, be safe. In West Van, Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: New data from the state of Hawaii shows that despite pandemic restrictions, thousands of Canadians are still jetting off to the islands. The online portal shows more than 4,200 people from Canada visited the tropical chain between December 1st 2020, and January 7th, 2021. Travelers from Calgary International Airport topped the list with 2,500 departures, followed by Vancouver International with 1,600 departures, then Edmonton with 12. More than 80% of Canadians cited pleasure or vacation as their main reason for travel. For months, governments of all levels have advised against all non-essential travel. A Fraser Valley woman's health battle is being made even more difficult because of the pandemic. The border closure has meant that the dual Canadian-American citizen has been separated from her husband for months because he lives in the U.S. When Bonnie Fisk Burris fell ill, the couple tried to reunite, only to be stopped because he has no place to quarantine. Julia Foy has their story. Sixty-two-year-old Bonnie Fisk Burris
5: of Sardis spends much of her day taking care of her 88-year-old mom, but now she's the one that needs help. I was diagnosed with a mass on my lung um, December 28th. I went, uh, started to have pain on the 23rd of December, but... Didn't want to go to the hospital and tell anybody until after Christmas. Since the pandemic hit in March, Bonnie has been separated from her husband, John, who lives in Sadra Woolley in Skagit Valley. They've been making do with FaceTime chats, but Bonnie's health changed that. They had me back for a CAT scan and then they found a mass. For the past few weeks, Bonnie and her family have been trying to get paperwork arranged for John to cross the border.
6: I wanted to help out as much as I could between Bonnie and her mom.
5: Him being at home with my family so I don't have to worry when I have to go for these tests or whatever's going to happen. On Saturday morning, John showed up at the Canadian border with a package of papers.
6: A coronavirus test, which was negative, and then a reason for travel, medical emergency, pictures of Bonnie's ID, a marriage certificate,
5: Border officials asked him about where he would quarantine.
6: And I told her, Bonnie, her mom and her son, that we had spare rooms in the house.
5: Then officials gave him a document and told him to go back home.
6: Direction to return to the United States. You are prohibited from entering Canada by an order of regulation.
5: Bonnie wants their case to be reconsidered on compassionate grounds. I just don't get it. You follow the rules, you go by what they say. I've been researching for 2 weeks on the internet how to do this right. The couple don't know who to appeal to, but they plan to keep trying.
6: Just wishing we could be together.
1: Julia Foy,
5: Global News.
1: COVID outbreaks have been declared at two long-term care facilities in Surrey. Fraser Health has one resident and a staff member at Sun Creek Village have tested positive. And at Guildford Seniors Village, two staff members have contracted COVID-19. All are said to be in isolation. Fraser Health says it's working on contact tracing and has implemented, implemented enhanced control measures. In Victoria, a staff member who worked at Hart House has tested positive. Island Health says it's working to identify anyone who may have been exposed. And the staff member is in isolation. It adds no residents are currently experiencing symptoms. BC teachers are calling on Fraser Health to implement stronger COVID-19 safety measures in schools. Members of the BC Teachers Federation say the current health standards for parents, students and teachers are inadequate. They're asking Fraser Health to intensify their efforts, including prioritizing school staff vaccinations, reducing classroom sizes, and making masks mandatory in all indoor spaces. The BCTM says many schools in the Fraser Health region feel unsafe and that the status quo is not acceptable.
7: The letters that come out, the exposure letters, have been slow. And so by the time uh, that information gets into the hands of people know to to make decisions on whether they should be working or self-isolating those letters are slow in coming
1: anti-pandemic restriction protests have popped up around the world including right here in bc but one in Kelowna today prompted a one-person demonstration against the rally darian matassa fung explains
3: Another weekly anti-restriction protest in Kelowna, but this time, one Okanagan man took it upon himself to protest against the crowd of COVID-19 conspiracy believers.
0: Truly, it's an honour to be out here supporting science and the frontline people. And I think what they're doing is sort of insulting. It actually is insulting to the people that are suffering with the disease, that have died from
8: the disease, and the people that are working hard to eradicate it.
3: David Crawford, a Kelowna resident, says he's been visiting these anti-lockdown rallies for a few weeks, holding his own signs mocking the anti-maskers. Crawford says the general reception from passing vehicles is great, with a few negative interactions sprinkled in. (laughs) Police also on site as the 100 or so protesters rallied and marched through the downtown core. A $2,300 ticket was issued to the organizer. Kelowna Mayor Colin Bazran issued a statement Friday afternoon urging protesters to comply with public health orders even as they rally against them. He said people have the right to peacefully protest, but they do not have the right to put others at risk by defying public health orders. Individual rights and freedoms are fundamental to our democracy, but they are only possible within the parameters established by the democratic process. Basran says he's spoken to doctors at Kelowna General Hospital who have legitimate fear that the rising number for COVID 19 cases in our community has the potential to overwhelm the healthcare system. And that's exactly what concerns David Crawford. And that's why he's pledging to be at every anti restriction rally in Kelowna. Darian Matassafan Global News, Kelowna.
1: A Vancouver man says he no longer feels safe in the city after he was the victim of a hate crime for the second time in less than a year. It happened just after 2 o'clock this morning near Burrard and Georgia streets. In a social media post, Eddie Elmer says he was waiting to cross the downtown intersection when a man yelled anti-Semitic comments struck him hard in the leg, then tried to punch him in the head. Elmer called 911. The suspect fled, but was arrested on an outstanding warrant. Vancouver police confirm their hate crime section is reviewing the file. Members of a low income and homelessness advocate group staged a stunt to get their message across to the NDP government, calling for rent relief during the COVID crisis. ACORN members dropped a large banner above the Canby Street bridge in Vancouver this morning. They say many people who lost income due to the pandemic have also been unable to afford to pay rent and buy food. Tenants who still owe their landlord rent will have until next summer to pay it back gradually. ACORN will meet next week with David Eby, the minister responsible for housing.
9: They have to pay back by next July or this this coming July or face eviction. And we find this unconscionable. We're demanding that this, this rent debt be forgiven. And... that that the moratorium on evictions is reinstated. We're in the middle of the worst public health crisis in a hundred years. They keep telling us we're all in this together, but it seems like the lower your income, you're in a different boat.
1: BC is releasing newly discovered photos of the Deadly Hope slide on the 56th anniversary of what was the largest known landslide in Canadian history. In the early hours of January 9, 1965, a snow avalanche blocked the Hope-Princeton Highway in the Nicolum Valley outside Hope. Hours later, a rock slide came down, destroying nearly three kilometers of Highway 3 and burying a car, oil tr- tanker truck, and loaded hay truck. More than 47 million cubic meters of rock, mud, and debris filled the valley bottom up to 150 meters deep in some places. Search and rescue teams, RCMP, and highway crews combed the debris for days. A search dog helped recover the bodies of the convertible and hay truck drivers. Two other victims were never found. While body cameras are being used by a few law enforcement agencies in Canada, the technology is still relatively rare here in B.C. Well, now, as Kristen Robinson reports, the city of Burnaby is looking to purchase and implement body cameras, but not for police.
10: Drop the gun! They're used by police forces across the U.S. for transparency around the use of deadly force. Now, Burnaby, B.C. bylaw officers may be outfitted with body cams before RCMP members. The city is requesting proposals for wearable body cameras for bylaw officers, including bike patrol and parking patrollers. The technology, quote, will allow officers to video and audio record their daily activities while on duty and the recordings to be preserved and accessed by designated personnel. Body-worn cameras will enhance the department's ability to accurately capture events as they occur.
2: I think this is not only good from an accountability point of view, but certainly gathering evidence for whatever they are looking at or attempting to investigate.
10: Former Solicitor General Cash Heed says Calgary police body cams played a critical role in the quick arrest of two suspects accused of murdering Sergeant Andrew Harnett. B.C. established standards for the use of body-worn cameras in 2019, but the technology has not been widely adopted.
7: There's a lot we don't know about these cameras.
10: One SFU criminologist says body-worn cameras haven't really been tested outside of policing, but he believes the expensive technology could apply to bylaws, where officers are now tasked with enforcing COVID health orders.
7: Both entities have some authorities, both can impose consequences upon people. There's certainly a possibility that it could help to alleviate unfounded or otherwise exaggerated claims on, again, either side.
10: The city of Burnaby plans to deploy its bylaw body cams early this year.
2: I can guarantee you they will have that piece of equipment in place worn by their bylaw officers before we even have any police agency in B.C. seriously considering it.
10: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
1: A garage on Killarney and 44th Avenue in Vancouver was heavily damaged by fire this morning. Vancouver Fire Rescue was able to put the flames out, but not before a vehicle inside was destroyed. No word yet on what sparked the fire. Countless times of the past number of months, we've seen people step up to try to ease the stress caused by the pandemic. That includes a Vancouver high school student. As Nadia Stewart reports, he saw a desperate need to be filled for B.C. families struggling, struggling to deal
11: with remote learning.
7: I came to this realization during the Reading Bear program. It became apparent that not everyone is as lucky as we are.
11: When Michael Chen wanted to do more to support Vancouver students struggling with learning at home, he decided to turn his hobby into a huge help for others.
7: The you want to see in the world.
11: The grade 10 St. George's student had his teachers ask staff at Thunderbird School how he might be able to help them.
7: The first thing they mentioned was online education. It was really hard for these public schools to provide the correct online education for everybody in their school because some people might not have access to electronics for this.
11: Back in March, Chen began collecting used computers, desktops, and laptops. He fixed them up, giving them to low-income families free of charge. Thunderbird School kindergarten teacher Camilla Ting says the need was tremendous.
2: As soon as we transitioned
10: into learning from home, We then had families who struggled with
11: access. We had families who didn't even have internet services. Before too long, about 100 students were on the list for a new laptop or computer. So far, Chen and his team of about five volunteers have collected nearly 80.
7: Although it takes three to four hours per computer for me to fix them up, I feel like it's worth it.
11: Now Chen says he's in need of more help if he's going to help more students. They need more desktops and laptops. And more volunteers to help fix them up, including a volunteer to help with picking up the used uh, units.
7: I will take laptops, desktops, even a monitor or
11: or even a mouse. Making them ready for use by Vancouver students whose families couldn't be more grateful.
10: For one family, they received a refurbished MacBook. And in June, all of our school devices were returned. This family returned the refurbished laptop because they couldn't believe that that shiny laptop was theirs to keep. We had to phone them to come back and pick up their computer.
11: Nadia Sturk, News.
1: A regimental funeral was held this afternoon to honor a fallen Calgary police officer. The memorial for Sergeant Andrew Harnett was private, but a procession took place to allow the public to pay tribute. The 14-year veteran of the force died on New Year's Eve after being struck by a vehicle during a traffic stop. The 37-year-old leaves behind his wife, Chelsea, who is pregnant with their first child. Two people are now facing first-degree murder charges in connection with Harnett's death. Alberta is struggling to contain the COVID spread, and now the Public Health Agency of Canada says it will begin investigating the first Canadian case of a new, more infectious variant of the virus first seen in South Africa that's now in Alberta. Alberta's chief medical health officer tweeted confirmation of the new variant late Friday, saying the case involves a recent traveler. That person is currently in quarantine and there is no evidence it has been spread to others at this time. Alberta already has four cases of the UK variant. There are three here in BC, all related to travel. While the vaccine appears to work against the UK variant, researchers are concerned they may not be effective against the South African variant. A month-long curfew comes into effect across Quebec tonight as that province also tries to curb the, curb the rising number of COVID cases. Those out between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. could face fines ranging from one to $6,000. An emergency alert reminder was sent out this afternoon. Quebec reported more than 3,000 new infections today. The UK's vaccine rollout has reached the royal family. 94-year-old Queen Elizabeth has received her first dose along with her husband, 99-year-old Prince Philip. A royal doctor administered the shots at Windsor Castle. It's unclear which vaccine was given to the couple, whose ages put them in Britain's second priority group. Royal sources say the private matter was made public to set an example. Indonesia's National Search and Rescue Agency has deployed ships and crews to the Thousand Islands area after a Boeing 737-500 passenger jet crashed into the sea just minutes after taking off. The domestic flight was carrying 56 passengers and six crew members. Video released by the rescue agency shows crew members shining torches in the dark waters as they search for victims and debris. So far, res- rescuers have recovered body parts, pieces of clothing, and scraps of metal from the Java Sea. The plane disappeared from radar screens after taking off 30 minutes after the scheduled time because of heavy rain. There were no immediate clues on what may have caused the sudden descent. To the situation in the U.S. now, Democrats are swiftly laying plans to impeach President Donald Trump a second time. If that happens, he would be the first president in American history to hold that dubious distinction. As Jennifer Johnson explains, the proceedings could begin in a matter of days. After surviving an attack on the Capitol, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is on the attack,
2: putting forth an article of impeachment against President Donald Trump, accusing him of incitement of insurrection. It could be introduced Monday.
10: The person who's running the executive branch is a deranged, unhinged, dangerous president of the United States.
2: We're going to walk down to the Capitol the article alleges Trump's conduct gravely endangered the security of the United States. The president has now been silenced by his favorite platform, Twitter, which permanently suspended his account, citing risk of further violence. The White House put out a statement saying another impeachment trial will only further divide the country. A second impeachment and a Senate conviction would disqualify Trump from running for president in 2024 or ever holding any public office. Outgoing Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the earliest the Senate could hold an impeachment trial is January 19th, Trump's last full day in office. Democrats are encouraging the Senate to return sooner.
9: This is a president who incited uh, an attempted
6: coup to stop the certification of the next president of the United
12: States to remain in power.
2: The first Senate Republican has now called on the president to go. Senator Lisa Murkowski saying, I want him to resign. I want him out. He has caused enough damage. Invoking the 25th Amendment, removing the president from office, has been discussed. But White House insiders say Vice President Mike Pence is unwilling to take that step. The deadly riot left five people dead, including Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Only the fourth Capitol officer to die in the line of duty in the force's almost 200-year history. Anti-Trump protesters have set up camp on the National Mall. When democracy is under attack... But Trump supporters are still here, too. The Instruction Act is happening, people! More people from the pro-Trump mob that stormed the Capitol are being arrested, including Adam Johnson, pictured carrying Nancy Pelosi's lectern, and Jacob Anthony Chansley, seen inside the Senate chamber. As police search for more rioters, officials are preparing for a massive military presence on Inauguration Day, after the worst security breach at the Capitol since the War of 1812. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington.
1: In Health Matters, new data is showing how asymptomatic people are spreading COVID 19. Modeling done by the U.S. CDC shows asymptomatic people transmit more than half of all COVID 19 cases. 35% are people who infect others before they show symptoms, 24% are from people who never develop symptoms. Researchers say the findings reinforce the importance of following all public health guidelines, whether you feel sick or not. New research reveals most patients hospitalized with COVID-19 have at least one lingering symptom. The study looked at more than 1,700 COVID patients in Wuhan, China. Three-quarters reported one or more symptoms six months after initially getting sick. The most common persistent symptom was fatigue or muscle aches, followed by sleep difficulties and depression and anxiety. Those who had the most severe cases more often had impaired lung function six months later.
8: You're watching Global Hour at 6.
1: what happens when people on social media think you're the premier of alberta we're gonna have that story for you right after yvonne's forecast but first have a look at this spain has been hit with its worst snowstorm in half a century at least 50 centimeters of snow fell on madrid and areas surrounding the capital paralyzing streets and trapping hundreds of motorists in their cars Air and rail travel have also been brought to a halt. At least four deaths have been blamed on the storm, including a man and woman who died when their car was swept away in floodwaters in the southern part of the country. And here we saw some sunshine today. I'm feeling very, very lucky about that.
12: Yeah, it was much needed, some breaks, especially early this morning. We had some beautiful shots that were taken. This one of the fall, but we did manage to see... uh, the drier conditions as we approach the early morning hours. Great shot that was sent in from Anne. Thank you so much in Burnaby. This morning Mount Seymour. This one captured by Kyle. And in Pitt Meadows a gorgeous shot of the mountains. So thank you so much John. We're currently seeing windy conditions uh, and the rain is on our doorstep across Metro Vancouver. We're starting to see it from west to east right now. Across the island we'll have some heavier pockets so a heads up wet weather beginning this evening. Continuing through the day and we've got very windy conditions. A look at some of the peak wind gusts. For example Powell River just at 6 o'clock, gusts of over 30 areas near Comox, but it's the north and central coast. Port Hardy with the gusts just over 70 and Herbert Island with the gusts of 119 kilometers per hour. The following spots with the wind warning, so the northern tip of Vancouver Island could see upwards of 110 kilometers per hour and much of the north and central coast between 80 to 100 and it continues to be very windy. It'll ease off slightly overnight, but we'll continue to see the winds for areas that are closer to the water and that'll be the big weather story that we're following. With it, the wet weather that's moving in, we can see that on the future cast. We'll have that precipitation for the morning hours, a few breaks potentially and then some of the heavier rain is going to move in through the day and the heaviest rainfall for tomorrow night and then continuing for a Monday. It is system after system. That's what we've been tracking. A quick glance at some of the numbers or I was going to talk about, sorry, the snowfall first along Whistler. This evening, the sea to sky 5 and up to 10 centimetres and the amounts for rainfall for most areas along the south coast between 10 and up to 20 millimeters. Very windy through the day tomorrow along the north coast. Temperatures will bump up to 7. Inland with even a few isolated flurries, not much in terms of accumulation. Across the central interior we'll see wet flurries for the morning and then changing over to rain. Much of the southern interior it'll be a chance for some flurries. The snow level will be closer to the valley bottoms for the morning hours and then the snow is going to push in for Sunday night and then continuing through the day on Monday. Whistler will see that snow changing over to rain with up to 5 centimeters from most areas especially closer to the village and along the south coast so a heads up rain beginning this evening we'll start to see it pick up heavy at times the winds tomorrow up to 60 kilometers per hour it'll be blustery tomorrow with the wet weather on monday though a bit of a silver lining we'll see milder temperatures into the double digits a nice break between systems with the sunshine will be on our tuesday collie well-timed, Timon. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well-timed. Thank you. And the power of social media has been made abundantly clear this week on both sides of the border. For days, hashtag ResignKenny was trending on Twitter. With it, many angry tweets directed at the Alberta premier. But some of them went to the wrong guy. Morgan Black introduces us to the other Jason Kenny. This is Jason Kenny. Alberta's premier.
3: I'm here with Dr. Hinshaw to provide both a daily
7: update.
13: And this is also Jason Kenney, a man in Virginia who works for a nonprofit. On Twitter, the two often get confused.
7: Lately, it's one of those like heads up, you have a press conference at 3 o'clock.
13: The mix-up has been happening since Premier Kenney first entered the world of politics. Back in the days when I had a
7: a hotmail email with with my full name on it, a a sweet old lady, uh, thanks me for speaking at her church.
13: As Jason Kenney's name trends on social media during the political travel scandal, this Kenny's Twitter mentions are busier than ever.
7: To see it and then just to kind of see it snowball as well, it's just like, oh wow, like this is a big
13: deal. Kenny says he's been having fun with it, creating his own version of a familiar backdrop and answering a few burning questions. Where did
7: my cabinet travel um, or, you know, what am I going to do about my cabinet? Not, conveniently, I do happen to actually be changing the hardware on the cabinets in my house right now.
13: He says being tapped into current events in Alberta politics has been an eye-opening experience.
7: And so it's just it's it's interesting to see the, the, the similarity in terms of the conflicts of the, the debates.
13: In the past, Contact the other Jason Kenney has even reached out about the Twitter season. confusion.
7: You know, has, has, has said, hey, you know, if you ever want to swap names.
13: For now, he'll keep the handle but says he'll leave politics to the premier.
7: We're all human beings and just trying to get through everything uh, together. Um, I think I'll, I'll continue to
13: enjoy it. Morgan Black, Global News.
1: Great attitude. Very good.
7: That's
9: <laughs> just to pretend you're a politician and not have to actually follow through with the, all, the,
1: <gasps> all, pay the, me all
9: the stuff. Yeah, no, no kidding. kidding.
1: No kidding. Barry, what do you got coming up?
9: Well, a lot of uh, Seahawks fans kind of moping around, I think, right now. They were, I think, a team everyone thought built for the playoffs. Apparently not. They um, maybe played one of their worst games of the year today against the Rams, so they are out. So we'll have highlights or lowlights of that. It was, have to say, one of the, one of the uglier games I've no. seen this year. The Seahawks were so entertaining early, a lot of great defense uh, late in the season, but today it was just... Uh, you know, not their day, which is uh, doesn't work in the playoffs. You only no, get one chance doesn't. in football, so that's coming up.
1: All right, thanks so much, Barry. It's a new year, a time when many of us are motivated to get organized, get fit, or save money. But tech experts say this is the time of year you should also make a digital resolution to clean up your cyber life.
6: At a time when many of us are tackling clutter, it's also a good idea to clean up your digital life. Things that you don't use anymore, smart devices, old email accounts, it's time to let them go. Consumer reports suggest making an annual habit of clearing out any unused accounts, apps, and gadgets. If you got a new device for the holidays, don't forget to do a factory reset on the old one. You need to make sure that you wipe and clean off everything before you throw it out, recycle it, or even hand it down to your kids. It's also prime time for a cybersecurity checkup. An easy way to see if your information has been hacked is a search on HaveIBeenPwned.com. It is a giant database of pretty much every recorded breach and what was in it. The best way to protect yourself is with long and strong passwords that are different for every account. Password managers can be super helpful in managing all of that. And if not, you know, paper and pencil, especially if you have a home safe, it's totally fine. It's especially important to secure your home Wi-Fi system. Security experts say you should view your router as the front door to your online life. Once a hacker has entry into your home network, it's, it's pretty much game over. Go through settings on email, social media and phone accounts to make sure you have the highest level of security, including enabling two-factor authentication and installing updates. If you set it to go automatically, a lot of the time it'll just install overnight and you won't even have to think about it. Simple steps that may save you from a future hack and headache. Liz McLaughlin, NBC News.
0: Help lift each other up online by taking part in Pink Shirt Day. COVID-19 has impacted everyone and shown the importance of helping one another and advocating for those who need it. Help support anti-bullying initiatives by purchasing your pink shirt today. Nominations for the YWCA Woman of Distinction Awards are now open. Help celebrate the people and organizations that are making a difference across Metro Vancouver by nominating by
9: January 15th. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman.
8: global BC community hub.
9: Navigate your now.
1: Barry's here with sports and some proof that some days are just like that.
9: Yep. How's that song go? Mama tell me there'd be days <laughs> right? you know, like this. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, if you're a Seahawk fan. Got to be crying in your beer right now. All right, thanks, Colleen. The Seahawks uh, have been carried by their defense the past six weeks or so, and you figured they'd have to lead the way again today against the Rams. Russell Wilson has always had trouble generating points against the Rams' defense, and I'm sorry to say it was an epic struggle again today, just plain ugly from the Seahawks. Their offense was offensive, and it cost them their season. Jared Goff, active but not starting at quarterback after having surgery on his fractured thumb just 12 days ago. Young John Wolford got the start, moved the ball well, but then gets hit hard by Jamal Adams. Shoulder to head, Wolford had to leave the game, was actually taken to hospital with a neck injury, but apparently all right. So Goff gets in the game after all. The Seahawks greet him with a sack by... Jaron Reed, Rams did get a field goal out of it, so it's 3-0. Rams defense, as we said, always a thorn in Russell Wilson's side. A sack there. Seahawks just 22 yards offense in the first quarter. Everyone frustrated, especially DK Metcalf had a bit of a tantrum on the sidelines, trying to get him the ball. Well, when they did, the Rams saw it coming. Darius Williams times the route perfectly, 42-yard pick six, and it's 13-3 for the Rams but later in the second Wilson scrambling and will find Metcalf great throw on the run from Russell it's a 51 yard touchdown and the Seahawks ever need that Seattle stumbling offense finally connects Seahawks back in it it's 13 to 10 but credit the Rams offense they drive the field and Cam Akers will bull his way in from the 5 20 to 10 Rams at the half and under Sean McVay the Rams are 36-0 when leading at the half. Not a good stat for the Seahawks. Third quarter Hawks offense still struggling. Look at Wilson has to throw it away. Seven of 19 for 110 yards in the game but they were only down seven through three quarters. Rams kicked a field goal to go up 10 and then the Seahawks with seven to go get the ball back but DJ Reed fumbles on the punt return. Rams recover and that was pretty much it. They will seal the deal. Goff play action here a wide open Robert Woods for the touchdown the Rams just wore out the Seahawks defense who were on the field too much today they were let down by a feeble offense Seahawks got a touchdown in the too little too late category Wilson to DK Metcalf but not nearly enough the Seahawks done for the season the Rams defense just dominated them 30-20 the final and it wasn't really that close. We'll hear from the Seahawks tonight. Earlier, AFC wild card. Buffalo Bills in their first playoff game since 1995. Their young QB, Josh Allen, with the touchdown run late in the first half. And the Bills led 14-10. Fourth quarter, now 17-10 Bills. And Allen will go deep to his favorite receiver, Stefan Diggs, who was doubtful all week. With an oblique injury, six catches over 100 yards, and that touchdown, that one went for 35. It's a 14-point lead, but Phillip Rivers and the Colts rally. Rivers, 39 years old, 17th season, has never been to the Super Bowl, but connects with Jack Doyle there to cut the lead to 27-24. Colts then down to their final play in the fourth. Have to go for the Hail Mary, but the Bills knock it away, and Buffalo is shuffling off to the second round first playoff win since 1995 they celebrate 27-24. Going on right now in prime time. Tom Brady and the Bucs at Washington taking on the 7-9 NFC East champion Washington football team. Brady with a record 30 playoff wins finds Antonio Brown for the 36-yard touchdown. Extra point was blocked, but Tampa led 9-0. Second quarter, Brady with another perfect delivery. 27 yards to Chris Godwin for the touchdown. Two-point attempt failed, but it's now 18-7 for the Bucks, and they are just in the final seconds of the opening half. The Canucks play their final inter-squad scrimmage tonight at Rogers Arena. Opening night is just four days away. Will we see new defenseman Travis Hamanick Wednesday in Edmonton? Hamanick is finishing his seven-day quarantine and will practice for the first time with the team tomorrow. They still have to sign Hamanick to a contract, but other than that, they will just wait and see if the veteran is ready to step into game action. Just got to see how he looks, how he feels, where he's at. Uh, I don't want to make a decision or or even, I don't think it's even worth commenting on really, to be honest, until we see him in person and talk to him and see how he feels. Meanwhile, Coquitlam's Matthew Barzell has signed a three-year, $21 million contract with the Islanders. Barzell was a restricted free agent, but the Isles were always going to sign him. He is the future of that franchise, already a big star at age 23. Barzell won the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year in 2018 and has 207 points in 234 career games. Third round of the century tournament of champions from Maui, where it's a surfers paradise, of course. Colin Morikawa with the T-shirt on the par 3-8. This is right at the pin, and I mean right at it. It hits the pin. That close to a hole in one did make the birdie. Morikawa at 19 under playing the 18th hole right now. The leader, Harris English, tricky downhiller for birdie. 29 footer, and that is a perfect putt. He's got the lead at 21 under, also playing the 18th. Ryan Palmer having a day as well. Great chip shot here, almost holes it for the eagle. It's a tap in birdie. He's at 20 under, just one back, also playing 18. Nick Taylor is 21st at minus 12. Mackenzie Hughes, 40th at 3 under. And some soccer, FA Cup, third round, Manchester United and Watford. Fifth minute, United with the corner, Scott McTominay with the header. That bounces off the turf and beyond the goalkeeper. That was it for scoring as United advanced to the fourth round of the FA Cup, 1-0
7: over Watford.
1: Returning to our top story, we are getting a look at that avalanche this afternoon south of Whistler. These pictures taken by a man in the area at the time the avalanche came down on Cowboy Ridge. He says shortly afterwards they spotted search and rescue crews as well as a dog searching for anyone buried several skiers were rescued others managed to ski out themselves RCMP are still asking anyone in the area to contact them to make sure no one else is missing no injuries reported and of course Jordan will have more at 11 and we just want to mention that yes the graphics on the snow report needed a little fixing but
12: a little gremlin in
1: the system that happens that <laughs> happens listen if you're a basketball player or a giraffe Being tall is a competitive advantage. So scientists were stunned to find out that there were two dwarf giraffes on different sides of Africa. Most giraffes grow to between 15 to 20 feet. But in 2018, scientists discovered an eight and a half foot giraffe three years earlier. They also found a nine foot three inch giraffe in a wildlife park. Scientists say the short giraffes probably have no natural benefits compared to their normal sized counterparts. And no jokes about Yvonne. (laughs) None coming.
12: Uh, Listen, Yvonne, you're... not as tall as a giraffe. You're not as tall as a giraffe. We're throwing it out there.
1: (laughs) You're going to love this one. Uh, A little Italian greyhound (laughs) from Montreal has become a massive social media star. Global's Dan Spector shows us why.
8: Come on. It's a little hard to believe this Montreal alleyway is not crawling with paparazzi. A huge international fashion star is strutting her stuff.
0: Tika, she's pretty big now.
8: 29-year-old Thomas Shapiro has been posting pictures and videos of his 9-year-old Italian greyhound Tika online for years now. But in recent months, she's gone totally viral.
0: So there's one viral video on TikTok where she was wearing a bunch of clothes that she couldn't wear throughout the years of lockdown.
4: I had so many cute outfits planned for this year that I couldn't wear. So I just wanted to show you. See this? I love it. I couldn't wear it. Love it. Couldn't wear it. Then there's this. I
0: think it's just a lot of people related to like, oh yeah, I also didn't get to wear anything because I was at home, home the whole time. Brooke Shields can't
8: get enough. Sharon Stone agreed this outfit was a little risky. Lizzo gave Tika a shout out just this week, and that's just scratching the surface.
0: Where I think it start, started to really go viral was Demi Lovato, and then Justin Bieber shared it.
8: This recent video of Tika debating outfits was also a huge hit. Is it too much?
0: What about these? Is this too much? This kind of feels like a lot.
8: Shapiro says Tika likes wearing the clothes, as Italian greyhounds often get cold. She now has her own agent, merchandise with her face on it, Italian greyhound fashion designers begging her to wear their apparel. But she's still just a humble pup.
0: One of the bigger celebrities that shared her was Jennifer Aniston. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty big. So when she shared that, I, I kind of threw my phone across the bed. So I was like, what's happening? And, of course, I look over at Tika, who's passed out, and I was like, she doesn't even know.
8: Even though she's got plenty of fame, Shapiro says he won't quit his day job as a web developer. Besides, she's not raking in too much cash yet.
0: She pays her rent.
8: Tika is also a self-professed gay icon, a role Shapiro and his husband take very seriously.
0: We just first and foremost want to be visible. Uh, for the younger gay generation to kind of see maybe role models of two guys that are living a nice life.
8: He says Tika does get stopped on the street, but with a look like this, she got stopped even before she was famous. Dan
9: Specter, Global News, Montreal. I don't think there's such thing as too much for that. For that.
1: No, no such thing. I no. love no it. Such thing. <laughs> That's News the Hour for tonight. Jordan's here at 11 o'clock. Thanks for watching. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow night. <laughs>